Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Hands down, one of the biggest, most overlooked areas of women's health is the transition from our fertile years to menopause, also known as perimenopause. And depending on how we take care of our bodies during the perimenopausal transition, what can really determine how our bodies thrive in menopause. And here's the deal. We're simply not talking enough about this five to 15 year transition that happens to take place when we are doing the most. I don't know about you, but every woman I know who is in their late 30s to early 50s are doing very big things and juggling all the plates in the air and then some. This is a big transition and it deserves our attention. See, for many women, at least a lot of the patients that I work with, when they are in perimenopause, especially the last three to five years leading to menopause, this can be the most challenging because symptoms like unexplained weight gain, extreme fatigue, sleepless nights, hot flashes, those night sweats that contribute to the sleepless nights, migraines, anxiety, unexplained mood swings, brain fog, heavy bleeding, mm, it can all hit you all at once. This number of disruptive hormone symptoms can feel like you got hit by a Mack truck with no end in sight, especially when we're talking about three plus years at the end of this transition. Now it can feel beyond discouraging when you feel like you don't have a real viable solution to addressing most of these issues. And what I know is that most doctors are going to probably offer you birth control pills, maybe an IUD to kind of lessen a little bit of the side effects of birth control or hormone replacement therapy, and possibly a mood-altering prescription, like an anti-anxiety prescription. But these solutions, although they may band-aid some of the things that I mentioned earlier, just don't address most of the root cause issues that are driving those issues that I mentioned. And that's why I spent two plus years writing my last book, which actually it just had a one year anniversary last week, which was the EO menopause solution, because I wanted women to know why, like, why am I having these symptoms? What are the drivers here? What is changing in my body so that I can address them head on? And I'm so grateful that I have a book like this out there that is easy to get your hands on because we deserve to know what's going on with our bodies. Now, the best way to navigate this big transition from being in our fertile years and having an ovulatory cycle to menopause is understanding what is going on and making a plan to support your body throughout from the beginning or at any stage that you're in, right? And we're going to be talking three phases today because when you're talking about a time in your life that can be as long as 15 years, yeah, there are definitely phases going on. Now, want the good news? <laughs> the good news is, is there is so much that we can do and there are so many side benefits to making the simple changes that I'm going to be sharing with you today in this episode. So hold tight because I'm going to get into it. But first, I want to break down what is going down, right? I want you to know that although your body is indeed changing, there are adjustments that you can make to significantly ease the transition and have you feeling like you are entering into a fun awesome new beginning. And if you want to dive deeper into really preparing for menopause on a mental and emotional level, 
definitely go and check out last Friday's episode. It was episode 362 just a couple days ago with Susan Wilson. And this episode was why women over 40 should pay special attention to their beliefs about menopause. Now, this episode dives into our beliefs about menopause and how we can ask ourselves key questions and get clarity on who we want to become in this next chapter. And I think it's so important as we transition into a new life, becoming new women, it's that inquiry that really helps to unlock what we want. I'm a big fan of stepping into anything with intention because I know that when you can step into anything with intention, especially your life, right? Your future self, if you step into that with intention, you can really just steer. Like life happens for you, not to you. And even with perimenopause, I'm hoping that in this conversation, no matter what phase you are in, whether you're before perimenopause or you're on the way out of perimenopause, even menopause, this content can be super helpful for you today. But no matter where you are in your journey to just get super intentional. So as as a woman who's 42 years old, going to be 43 this year, I'm in phase two of, of perimenopause, ah, phase, phase one, phase two. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of in the interim, right? Because there's a lot of gray area here. And I know that I have been so intentional, probably from 38 years old, about how I wanted this journey to look because let me tell you 35 to 38 was not fun it was a little messy and so i i kind of stepped back took some assessment asked myself how do i want to feel who do i want to become you know how do i want to show up in in this beautiful perimenopausal journey and really like what do i want my health to feel like i think these are the types of questions when we dive deeper into inquiry about what we want for ourselves man we then we just lay out the blueprint for for what it is that we want to accomplish And I know you're thinking, well, even that sounds like a lot of work, Marisa. Well, this episode goes into the nuts and bolts of what that blueprint can look like. And again, the Essential Oil Menopause Solution book, that 21-day hormone program inside of the book, the hormone makeover program inside of the book has everything that you need for sure. So if you don't have a copy yet, I highly recommend. I will have it in the show notes. But also I have a, an opportunity if, if you really want to do some discovery. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about a quiz that I have for you if you want to kind of really pinpoint what is going on. So a couple things to note that are very important about successfully navigating the perimenopause transition. First thing, you got to want to embrace the physical and emotional changes and be open to making adjustments to your body and health. And I think that's why setting an intention is so critical. Second thing, you got to decide that you are worthy of focusing on you because implementing these changes to support your body will take some time and a little work, but I promise the payoff is so worth it. Not only for these transitional years, but for many, many years to come, well into menopause, where so much of the magic happens for many of us. As long as you are fully committed to you and optimizing your health, which I know that's why you're here. I mean, I know you're already fully committed, right? You wouldn't be listening to this episode if you weren't. And as long as you're willing to bring on some strategic changes for your body, you are going to feel great throughout your 40s and your 50s and beyond. That is what I am promising today. And I just want to say that this is a message that I need to hear too, right? I'm always needing to hear this message because as I approached 43 this year, 
I know how critical it is to continue to be consistent with my daily habits. They are what have got me through some really tough times over the years, and they are what's going to continue to help me thrive for many, many years to come. And when I check into my why of why it matters, not only for myself and for you, but also for my son, Kingston, who is just 16 months old, as you know, and and he has got a lot to do. He's got a lot to do, and I'm definitely going to want to keep up with him. So as I prepare to go into this in-depth episode, I want you to know that I have a little to-do list, you know, for myself in terms of my self-care. That's walking every day. That's eating a lot of hormone-loving foods every single day. That's taking my supplements every day. That's having a solid sleep routine, some meditation, right? Using my oils. I am as consistent as I possibly can so that I feel good. And that is what I want for you as well. If you feel a little uncomfortable When I say you got to commit to you, I know how hard that can feel sometimes when you have the weight of your family and everything on your shoulders, but we are committing together. And so with that commitment, let's dive into the stages of perimenopause so that you know what's going on so that you can make a plan to navigate each phase with ease and grace. And if you've already been through these phases or you know someone who is about to go through these phases, Shout out this episode to them, episode 363, right? Because again, so little is talked about this. And I know all kinds of women who need this information, right? Friends and family and moms in my life. So if there's someone you can think of right now, you know, colleague or one of your besties or family member, just just send it on over to them via text message. Okay, so before I go into the phases and offer recommendations, I also want you to feel like you know what is going on with your body and have a deeper understanding of which hormones could be imbalanced. So I have a hormone quiz that I've created that looks at the biggest hormone players. This quiz is short, takes like two minutes, and at the end, you're gonna receive a hormone report card. Now, if you're between 35 and 50, this two-minute quiz will give you a lot of insight, and I'm gonna have the link in the show notes, 363, um, or you can go to drmarisa.com slash report card and just go straight. And if you want to pause this episode real quick and go fill out the report card or the quiz, by all means, go do it. DrMarisa.com slash report card. So now that you've got access to the quiz, let's talk about what is going down and happening to your hormones during perimenopause because a lot is shifting, just normally shifting with this transitional period. It's meant to, that's the point of it, is that we're transitioning from a consistent cycle to no more cycle, right? We are winding down those ovaries. So it's important to kind of know what you're gonna be preparing for. So perimenopause can technically start as early as 35 years old, and it could potentially even start a little earlier for some women, but that seems to be when things start to shift with the majority of women I talk to. Um, And it can even happen later. It could be 37, it could be 38, it could be 39, but I wanna make sure that we're playing in the window of when it could happen, so we're gonna say 35. And it could even start 10 plus years before menopause, basically is what I normally see. And it's very different for every woman, And what many doctors have been noticing is that symptoms of perimenopause and menopause are coming on earlier. Now, as an important side note, menopause is occurring a bit earlier too, as I mentioned. Today, most women experience menopause between age 40 and 58, and the average age of menopause is around 51, like the start of menopause, according to the North American Menopause Society. So just to give you a sense, like I'm clearly 
in phase one, two of perimenopause at 42, about to be 43. Some women I know have already been through menopause at this age. Others, they're well past 55 and still haven't gotten there. So again, I just want to paint the picture for what it looks like. Now, perimenopause is defined as the slow transitional decline of your ovaries as a big player in your endocrine system. Accompanying that is the slow decline of fertility that speeds up in our mid-40s. It could happen in our early 40s, but let's say mid-40s is really where we start to see a sharp decline in fertility for many women. Now, in the first phase of perimenopause, which can be difficult to identify for a couple of reasons. One, most of us don't associate perimenopause with our mid to late 30s. And number two is the changes can be subtle. Symptoms can range from experiencing more intense PMS symptoms, like more bloating, maybe headaches before your period, some mood swings and changes. Maybe you start to notice that workouts feel harder, especially later in the day. Like all of a sudden that HIIT training workout that you would do for 55 minutes, man, after you're done with it, you just don't have anything in the tank, right? Especially if you wait into the afternoon when cortisol begins to shift. You're experiencing more stress. You just feel more stress more overwhelmed, more wound up. Weight isn't coming off as easily as it was in your early 30s and 20s. You're feeling tired in the afternoon, maybe in the evening. You're noticing more snacking going down. Again, nothing super, super crazy, but you start to notice changes and symptoms that weren't there before. Like it's almost as though your resilience isn't what it was, right? That's what we start to see shift. Now, when it comes to hormones in phase one, progesterone begins to precipitously drop and testosterone has been dropping since your mid-20s. A lot of women don't know that, but I have a whole episode on testosterone where I go into this in more detail. Now, estrogen is typically still at normal levels. She is not tripping. Let me tell you, she is doing her thing. And that's why we start to see symptoms of estrogen dominance in women in their mid to late 30s and their 40s, because as progesterone is dropping, estrogen's like, I'm good. And when estrogen is unopposed or checked by progesterone, we start to see those symptoms of estrogen estrogen dominance. And you may see, depending on your lifestyle, that cortisol is a bit deregulated as well, contributing to feeling more stressed, more foggy, more tired, more wired and anxious. You got those cravings potentially. Those are oftentimes related to cortisol. Now, as you may know, progesterone has some serious superpowers. This hormone is a natural chill pill and can support deep restful sleep. Progesterone helps to stabilize cortisol and increases our stress resilience. This is so important. So having less of it doesn't do us any favors in phase one because lower levels make it harder to soothe ourselves and it can feel really challenging to relax. Basically, we feel more on edge. Now, I started to experience low levels of progesterone in my early 30s, not even in my mid 30s, but my early 30s. And man, it was no fun because my body was counting on having normal levels. I had no chill <laughs> and I always felt on edge in my early 30s. See, progesterone was a hormone that I took for granted in my 30s. And let me tell you, I do not anymore in my 40s. Now, I've had the honor of looking at hundreds of hormone lab results from women in their 30s and 40s, and something that I commonly see is that progesterone levels are almost always lower than expected. And it's no wonder. We are struggling with lots of perceived stress today. Having pretty crazy overscheduled days and weeks, toxins are overloading and assaulting our delicate endocrine system, and often we are not getting enough of the right nutrients to make sufficient amounts of progesterone in our bodies. A big part of phase one 
is to protect progesterone, testosterone, and cortisol levels at all cost. And I'll be sharing with you how to do that in just a moment. So given the subtle or not so subtle hormone changes in our body during phase one and the lifestyle habits that we are doing on a daily basis, how we take care of our bodies and our endocrine system in phase one sets the stage for phase two. Now, the important thing to note with phase one is that there's a lot of flexibility and fluidity of our bodies and our hormones. Basically, we have a lot of room to make improvements and to gear our bodies up for our mid 40s, 50s and beyond. Now, I can speak from personal experience. I've shared my story a lot on this show. My early 30s and a couple of years in my mid to late 30s were a struggle. But at 38, I turned it all around. And I've been consistent in nourishing and loving my body ever since. I feel so much better at 42 than I did at age 30 and age 36. And that's the thing. Our bodies are so resilient and they want to function as best as they can. And I've experienced this on more than one occasion in phase one of perimenopause. So now that I've covered what goes down in phase one of perimenopause, I want to speak into what happens in phase two of perimenopause. Now, this is the phase that most people actually associate with being in menopause because a lot of the symptoms we thought were menopause are actually phase two of perimenopause. So this particular phase gets a lot of attention. This phase takes place in our mid 40s to early 50s. And as you know, this is the phase where some major shifts happen with our sex hormones. Progesterone and testosterone can be very low at this point. And we also can see signs of insulin resistance and wonky cortisol levels, whether it is high levels of cortisol or low levels of cortisol, or maybe the way that cortisol is functioning throughout the day is just off. These are the things that I see on labs over and over again. Now, when it comes to estrogen, we see estrogen fluctuating wildly as the ovaries begin to slack off and the brain is pushing the ovaries to work harder. Meanwhile, missed ovulation or lower egg quality means that less and less progesterone is being made to balance out this roller coaster of estrogen levels. Also, the number and quality of follicles are diminishing, causing a slow decline in estrogen production and fewer ovulations, resulting in anovulatory cycles one month. Then the next month, your ovaries may pop out two eggs and you may experience very heavy bleeding during your period. So there'll be light months, there'll be heavy months. It all has to do with what's going down with estrogen based on the pituitary gland sending a lot of messages to your ovaries. As a result, by our late 40s, our ovulatory cycle length will vary and shorten and our periods may become very irregular. What was normally a 28-day or 30-day cycle is now a 26- or 25-day cycle. There may be months where you don't have a period at all and then other months where you have really heavy periods for eight plus days in a row. Given this crazy roller coaster of estrogen and the decline in progesterone levels, you're almost guaranteed to be dealing with symptoms of estrogen dominance. Now, estrogen dominance is caused by the ratio of progesterone and estrogen being off. When we are in our fertile years, it's usually 100, the ratio is 100 to 1 progesterone to estrogen. But as we step into phase two of perimenopause, ratio is so, so off. And Estrogen being a proliferative hormone is simply just not being checked. So you can actually have low levels of estrogen on a hormone test and still be estrogen dominant because it's all about that ratio of estrogen to progesterone. Estrogen dominance can be caused by several different factors. 
One, declining progesterone levels, right? That's just naturally going to be happening because of perimenopause, but also a sluggish liver, stress, genetic predisposition, gut, and thyroid issues. These are all major players here. So here's some common symptoms of estrogen dominance that I see mostly in phase two, but definitely in phase one as well. Heavy bleeding accompanied by an increased risk of fibroids and polyps, severe PMS symptoms, brain fog, and just a lack of focus, sleep issues, hot flashes and night sweats, mood swings and anxiety, bloating, stubborn weight on hips and thighs and belly, tender, lumpy breasts, maybe even ropey fibrous breast, and even migraines before your period. So those are just some of the classic signs of estrogen dominance. You could also even call it just low progesterone, right? It's basically one and the same. Once you identify the root cause of estrogen dominance, there are some simple steps that you can take to reduce some excess estrogen metabolites, right? Because the more that we can clean up and mop up these estrogen metabolites, the less and less of these symptoms we're going to be dealing with, even if you have that decline of these sex hormones. So a big part of that is feeding your gut and protecting your liver. It's really the name of the game, along with ensuring that your body has the right nutrients for these organs to function properly. These are all essential components to finding relief from these symptoms. And it's important to note that many of these symptoms will cease once you reach menopause and your sex hormones are at menopausal levels. And I just want to speak into phase three at this point as well, which I call kind of the waiting room. This is at the very end of perimenopause, and most women are on the other side of the wild phase two roller coaster that is leading into menopause. Basically, they're right, right there at the door of menopause. So hormone-wise, progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone are at very low levels because your ovaries aren't really making them in significant doses at this point in time. Some women may have a little bit more testosterone than others, and some may have a little bit more estrogen than others. Overall, your periods are very few and far between. You may go three months without a period and then have one on your fourth month, or you will go six months or seven months and then have a really light period. It can just be very inconsistent as you are kind of at the final ovarian wind down. And really what we're doing here is we're just waiting for that defined menopause moment where you have the absence of any menstrual bleeding for at least one year. That's why I call phase three the waiting period because your periods are fewer and fewer, but you're waiting to hit that full one year. Now, the debate around when menopause happens is definitely happening more today. Some are saying it doesn't have to be a full consecutive year. It could be six months. Some say it should be longer than a full consecutive year. Honestly, like once you get to that year point, you're basically there. And it could take a couple of years to be in phase three. And you may be experiencing some sleep issues, some hot flashes, weight resistance, anxiousness, depression, along with fatigue and brain fog. But the crazy, crazy hormone roller coaster has slowed down considerably. And the reason why we're seeing a lot of these symptoms in phase three is, again, although not not sex hormones that are being created by the ovaries, but there could be a deregulation in metabolic function, in metabolic hormones, in cortisol, your survival hormones, in neurotransmitters. And so, again, that's why what happens in phase one and two is so critical. So you can really set yourself up for phase three and menopause and beyond. I mean, we all know that the more that we can love up on our bodies and do all the things that nourish our bodies as early as possible and be consistent, 
that not only can we ride through the transitional period a lot less crazy, but we also are setting ourselves up for success for the years in menopause to come. Now, of all the phases, I will say that phase one and phase two are the most important in terms of really setting up your body for success because they are happening earlier, right? And the earlier you can get started on loving your body, the better. So I want to talk a little bit about what you can do today to support your body through phase one and phase two of perimenopause. And first, what I want to say is that extra grace is required right now, and you deserve all of the extra grace. Any woman managing and navigating through this transition of perimenopause deserves all of the extra grace, right? I am feeling the need for some extra grace. Um, And then once we get super clear on having that grace and you knowing you're worthy of your body working properly and amazingly for you, let's talk about lifestyle habits. Because at the end of the day, it's really rare that I have found health and vitality and joy and energy inside of a prescription bottle. Super rare, right? Lifestyle is the name of the game. And I know you know that. And when it comes to lifestyle, I'm going to start off with food. Food is always foundational and focusing on foods that nourish the gut and protect the liver are so critical. So I'm going to talk about foods that we should be avoiding (laughs) to love, love our gut and protect our liver, right? So dairy, gluten, high amounts of caffeine, sugar and alcohol, these are all going to have negative impacts on your sex hormones, your gut and your liver. Um, And so when we remove some of that, we're going to ease up on some of those PMS symptoms, even may able to ease up on any inflammatory response like a histamine response or a metabolic issue that we're dealing with that could be triggering symptoms to be worse. So food is big. When I talk about hormone loving foods, again, I have a full 21 day hormone makeover inside of my menopause book. But I have so many guides and I have so many other podcasts devoted to this topic, but I was thinking about what I had for lunch today. So lunch was a lot of hormone-loving foods. Um, I had sea bass um, with a little bit of dairy-free pesto. I had cauliflower rice with carrots and peas and, and cilantro kind of all mixed in. And then I also had a big, big handful of roasted broccoli. And then on the side, I had a little bit of avocado and I had a little bit of olive oil. So I wanted to make sure that I had my clean protein, my healthy fats, and a lot of yummy fibrous foods, especially green leafy vegetables and cruciferous vegetables to just love up on my gut, my liver, and my hormones. So that's like a lunch in the life of me really trying to love up on those hormones as much as possible. So green leafy vegetables, clean proteins, healthy fats, you know, fiber, as much fiber as you can get your hands on, that's what's gonna really help to support your body. Number two, I told you that a big part of why we see hormone deregulation earlier and earlier has to do a lot with stress and the amount of stress. And as you know, stress comes in all kinds of flavors. It can be physical, mental, emotional. You know, you really have to look at that workout is it doing you like all all workouts are stressful, right? It's, it's stress on the body. That's the point of it. But is it too much stress on the system, right? Looking at what what does that schedule look like where there's a tipping point where you just feel overwhelmed and overscheduled and just like you're at that point of being on edge. We know that stress is driving cortisol and insulin. So it's important to have rituals in place. And where I have found rituals really, really stick is when you bookend your day. So four rituals that I personally love that I'm committed to is gratitude journaling. 
a 10 minute meditation before bed, 60 seconds of deep breathing, along with my favorite, like I have a lavender, bergamot, Roman chamomile combo that I'm obsessed with that just smells so good and just reminds me to breathe. And then walking outside in nature for about 15 to 30 minutes, ideally 30 minutes is my goal. And there are so many stress relieving rituals that you can do. Um, I've got so many in my books and I have so many episodes devoted to stress specifically that you can just dive in and really find what works best for you. Next, have a solid sleep routine and protect it fiercely. I'm not going to go into sleep routines today just because I know I want to get to some more of the, the yumminess that I, I, I want to share here. And then say no to things that don't serve you and delegate as much as possible. Next, move your body daily, lift weights to maintain muscle mass and metabolic flexibility. And again, find that sweet spot for movement for you where you are feeling like you're getting gains from it, but you are not burning out. Next, it's critical to make sure that you're addressing nutrient deficiencies due to hormone fluctuations, environmental toxins, and stress. It is just a fact that we are burning through key nutrients and minerals at a rapid speed when we have a crazy overscheduled week. So I'm going to be sharing some of my favorite supplements in just a moment to make sure that you are supporting your body's healthy hormone levels, your endocrine system, your gut, and your liver, right? We want to make sure that on a cellular level, your cells are saturated with what they need. So these are my non-negotiable nutrients that help to alleviate sleep issues, feeling tired, moody, foggy, and just feeling low-resourced. So I think everyone would benefit from magnesium glycinate. It's great for hot flashes, sleep, hormone regulation, mood support, headaches, cravings, insulin stability, handle stress. I recommend usually 350 milligrams for women, about 400 plus milligrams for men. And I take it before going to bed. I personally take about 400 milligrams before bed and it has changed my life. Also, Pharmagaba and Taurine, these are phenomenal for taking with magnesium because if you're dealing with mental chatter, anxiety, sleep issues, mood swings, basically low progesterone, magnesium glycinate, Pharmagaba, and Taurine are going to make a huge difference. It's going to bring back the chill pill. So if you need the chill pill because you're lacking the progesterone, that's the trio of chill pill right there. Now, I carry Pharmagaba in a chewable form that is so fast acting, oh my gosh, it will blow your mind. You will go from being on edge to being a Zen master by simply just doing a chewable of this. It's This is in my common restore supplement. I personally like to take Pharmagaba with magnesium glycinate at night before going to bed. Next is methylated B vitamins. I cannot tell you how critical it is that we maintain our vitamin B vitamin complex inside of the body. This radically reduces bloating, improves mood, eases breast tenderness, energizes your cells to combat fatigue. I'll tell you what, I take my activated B complete supplement at breakfast or at lunch every single day just to make sure that I am saturated. Remember, B vitamins are water soluble, so you will burn through them. Next is hormone balance. This has been the game changer for me. Not only does it help to balance out those sex hormones by having the nutrients to boost progesterone levels, nutrients and herbs, but also helps to metabolize excess estrogen to help to create more balance between these two very critical sex hormones. So hormone balance is, is so key in phase one and phase two. Now, because I know how important these are, as you know, I don't ever want you to be wasting your time or money. So these are all in my Essentially Whole supplement line. 
Magnesium Restore, Activated B Complete, Hormone Balance, and Common Restore. Third-party tested, no dairy, no gluten, no processed anything. Like these deliver. And that's always, like therapeutic dosage is so, so critical. What's the point of taking supplements if you're not gonna get what you need out of them? So I will have the link for these four must-have supplements in the show notes for episode 363. And here's some other supplement recommendations that I think are worth adding to your arsenal. Iron. Iron is so important, especially if you're experiencing heavy bleeding in phase two of perimenopause or struggling with low thyroid, get a good iron supplement. Next, chaseberry, which you can find in my hormone balance blend. Chaseberry or Vitex or Chase Tree is well-recognized herbal supplement used to treat PMS symptoms, menstrual irregularities, help to boost progesterone levels, and um, also help to really help to ease that menstrual cycle. And that's what's so important. Like we want a robust and healthy menstrual cycle for as long as possible. Next is dried ginger root. So as you move into phase two, a capsule twice a day will calm down heavy bleeding and reduce inflammation and bloating. Vitamin C, oh my gosh, vitamin C is like the duct tape of vitamins. It's so, so critical. It's a natural anti-inflammatory to help ease heavy bleeding and the pain that comes along with it. So crazy cramps, vitamin C is the ticket. It's also necessary to help your body to absorb iron. So you should always be taking vitamin C at the same time that you're taking your iron supplement. And then one other one, a couple more that I love is methane. This is during phase one or two. Basically, it's when you have too much estrogen, you need to metabolize. It's part of phase one liver detoxification. You always want to deal with all the phases, one, two, and three. Hormone balance deals with one and two. DIM really cleans up phase one. And this is a compound found in cruciferous vegetables that shows great promise for basically pulling out bad estrogen metabolites. So it can alleviate symptoms of PMS, heavy bleeding, migraines, bloating, anxiousness, and even fat distribution around the hips, thighs, and stomach. So I love DIM. Again, making sure that you are trying to clear excess estrogen is the big part here. Next, things that everyone should be taking every day is probiotics and digestive enzymes. It's all about your microbiome and your stomach and all of it, like the whole thing, is an essential part to maintain a healthy relationship between estrogen and progesterone and your body. Having a healthy gut ensures excess estrogen is expelled from the body instead of being reabsorbed, leading to more estrogen-dominant symptoms. So the best way to keep your gut thriving is consuming high-quality probiotics and making sure that you're getting the most out of your food. So a digestive enzyme before every single meal is so important. And then lastly, especially in phase two and phase three of perimenopause, even in menopause, it's worth considering a natural progesterone serum to ease some of the worst symptoms of perimenopause, especially the mood swings, the PMS, the heavy periods, the sleep issues, the hot flashes, the mood swings, all of it. I mean, natural progesterone, again, it's the, it's the chill pill you need. So let me count the ways that natural progesterone can be saving grace for you. It makes periods lighter, so progesterone can be used together with turmeric and other treatments to relieve crazy heavy periods of perimenopause. It relieves hot flashes. It works best in combination with magnesium glycinate and pharmagaba though, so I do love it um, with those. Two, you can put it on at night. It improves mood and sleep because progesterone soothes GABA receptors in the brain, right? We talked about that chill pill and that sleep aid. Helps to reduce migraines and headaches along with tender breast tissue due to helping to address estrogen dominance. It helps to improve stress resilience and may help to stabilize metabolic function. 
and stabilizes the HPA and adrenal access to improve your ability to cope with stress and not feel so on edge. Now, the easiest and safest way to use natural progesterone is in a topical serum because it's less messy, it absorbs quicker, and you can play with the amount, right? You can figure out what works best for you. So probably one of my top three bestsellers is my Progest Restore Serum. It's a natural progesterone serum and it has, oh my gosh, it used, it, I used it to boost my progesterone levels when I was trying to get pregnant. And then I, I even stayed on it until I was 15 weeks pregnant. So this particular serum contains 20 milligrams of bioidentical progesterone in a one mil serving. And it consists of a super micronized form of natural progesterone that facilitates better absorption than conventional cream. So basically, you are going to feel it go to work for you. It works. I recommend applying one mil, which is that 20 milligrams of, of bioidentical progesterone, one to two times a day to, to smooth skin areas such as the wrist, inner arms, or thighs, the neck, abdomen, or chest. I, I find the inner arms and inner thighs are a great place to put it. Bioidentical progesterone can alleviate those symptoms and really address estrogen dominance. It's also neuro breast and bone protective, which is very important compared to a synthetic progesterone like a progestin and hormonal birth control. These are not protective at all. So if someone tries to give you a synthetic progesterone, say no thank you. Synthetic progesterones can be dangerous with unwanted side effects. Now, when you pair natural progesterone with lifestyle changes that I recommended earlier, you will find that many of your perimenopausal symptoms will disappear or significantly dissipate. And it will feel much easier to handle a lot of the stressors that are going on in your life, basically life in general, as you approach menopause. And what's so great is that this amount of progesterone can really set you up for success in menopause and beyond, which really, really matters here. Now, it's not just about navigating perimenopause in your 40s. It's really about living your best life all of the time and feeling great in your body and doing the things that you love. Basically, honestly, there's no point in the waiting. You might as well start now, right? What I've learned is that we do, we do our best, we feel our best when we are feeling healthy and energized. So I absolutely know that when we can take control of our health and our healing journey and pull the right levers, right? The, the lifestyle levers, the ones that I mentioned earlier, um, that healing miracles can happen, right? And we've got all the tools. We've got the nutritional tools. We've got the sleep tools, the movement tools, the stress reducing tools, the nutrient tools. We've got all the tools. Like we can pull these levers. And I know that when I've pulled all of these levers, <laughs> I feel great in the morning, right? I am able to show up for the people that matter to me in the morning. I am able to show up for my mission without compromise. So with all that said, I know how important it is to be able to identify, you know, what is going on in this journey so that you can pivot and prepare for it. And if you really want to know what may be the driver or some of the root causes outside of just the natural progression of the way that our hormones shift in perimenopause, I do want to invite you to go and check out the hormone quiz in the show notes because it may give you a little bit more clarity on what is going on or what is causing hormonal imbalances in the body, especially during perimenopause and beyond. So I hope that this episode, as in-depth as I hope I went in the three different phases of the perimenopause, along with solutions and, and nutrients, that it has given you somewhat of a framework for how to just navigate these this over a decade of our life with so much ease and grace that you feel good 
knowing that you've got some tools um, at your beck and call. And if you really, really need a deeper dive, if you want it in written form, again, my book is not just, you know, it's not a 30 minute podcast. My my book is like, well, it's like 400 pages long. I, so if you want something more in depth, I definitely recommend grabbing the Essential Oils Menopause Solution book because it spans all of perimenopause and menopause and the rest, right, the rest of your life. So you menopause and beyond. So I want to say thank you so much for listening in to the Essentially You podcast today. This show, especially this episode, is about providing you tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. If there is someone that you thought of while you were listening to this episode today, take a screenshot, shoot them a text message, send them a link so that they can get what they need to create a life full of energy and abundance. That way, we also continue to spread the word about hormone literacy. Also, if you shared on social, hashtag hormone CEO. And until the next episode, have an amazing day.